You know what, Willie? You need to give me power of attorney. You're too busy. You, you got a lot of people in here. You got to do what you know how to do. And you got to let me do what I know how to do. All right. I'm an accountant. I'm a CPA. I, I got this. You worry about it and let me take care of this money. So I sign a paper. I give him power of attorney. Uh, he, I said, who am I writing this check to? He says, IRS. You're going to write it to the IRS. I-R-S. All right, cool. Sign it. 34,000. How do you spell 34,000? 34. I swear to I didn't know how to spell 34,000 and the two little zeros on the top with the slash and the 100 for no pennies, you know? Like, all right, take it. So he takes the check. I'm thinking I'm paying. IRS agent shows up and uh, he says, hey, are you Guillermo? I said, yep. He says, uh, can you close the door? I said, hey, we're getting ready to open. We open at 11. We're getting ready to open in 10 minutes. He said, you may not open at all. And I'm like, what? And he's like, close the door. Like, don't let people in. This is just going to be us. And he had a badge and he had a gun. And he's like, all right, you guys haven't paid taxes. Said, yes, I did. We've been sending you letter after letter after letter. You never received it? No. Is your address blah, 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 Oakland? No. Oh, and I started putting it together. Like, oh, that's that dude's address. This person is getting away, got away with stealing probably hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I'm thinking I'm doing it all legit. Like I'm doing it right. Like I'm trying to stay out of trouble. I'm trying to do things, you know, professionally. Welcome to the About the Benjamin podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Robinson. This podcast is devoted to the concepts of identity, creativity, destiny, and how to find yours. My goal is to provide you with a refreshing stream of inspiring content designed to activate you to pursue the fullness of your destiny in God. So let's go! So a couple months ago, I happened to be down in the Fresno area. So I decided to pop over to my buddy's house. Willie Guillermo Perez. Knocked on his door and invaded his kitchen with a duffel bag full of recording equipment. I sat a microphone down in front of him and ruined his plan for his entire evening. I was going to weed my garden in the back. That's what I was going to do. Weed. Play with uh, Adrian outside. Jackpot. And, uh, yep, you did. But nonetheless, he took the time to talk to me, and I want to encourage you to take the time to listen to his entire story, because his story is incredible, and his story is all about, I mean, this is a guy with no high school diploma, no business background, no degrees, who, you, you just got to hear the story. You just got to hear the story. So this is the story of Guillermo, a.k.a. Willie Perez and Sliver Pizzeria. I dropped out of high school when I was in the 10th grade and uh, I was uh, what they called an at-risk youth and the city of Berkeley was trying to partner up at-risk youth with small businesses to help keep them off the street, basically. And that's how I ended up at Cheeseboard. And I was 15, 16 years old and I did not want to work there. I, I tried, I got interviewed for um, a place where they sell pianos. And I showed up in a car with three of my friends and they were playing loud music while I was doing my interview and I didn't get the job. <laughs> and then uh, I, I got another interview at Ace Hardware Store and I really wanted that job because I wanted to 
to make copies of keys. And to be honest, I thought like I could probably steal stuff out of there that I could sell on the side, to be honest. Like I really wanted that job. I didn't get it. And then my third job, which is the one that today I wish I would have gotten, was um, um, it was a real estate company on Shattuck Avenue. I didn't get the job either. It was just basically filing stuff, but I didn't get it. So I was giving up and I was like, see, you guys can't find me a job. I'm just going to go back to what I like to do and this and that. Anyway, and uh, I got a phone call and I said, oh, there's this place called the Cheese Board. And uh, uh, I had a, uh, I walked by it and um, I saw what it was and it was selling cheese from all over the world. And it was a cooperative and everybody partly owned it and they were taking on the risk of hiring this kid off the street and, you know, throwing a starfish back in the ocean, feeling for them. And uh, I liked it. Uh, I didn't like it in the beginning, but I learned cheeses from all over the world. I learned uh, how to make bread. And I found myself like going in like on a Saturday um, after my shift and like just walking the cheese counter and like tasting different cheeses and asking questions like, where are they from? looking at the texture, how they melt, but, you know, what just, I just enjoyed it actually. And, um, and, uh, I was, uh, an intern for two years there and then they had to make room for another kid to come in. And, uh, so I ended up working at Costco and I was pushing carts and, um, someone that worked at Cheeseboard saw me and they said, Hey, how old are you now? I said, 18, 19. So you should come apply as a member now that you're, and I came back and I applied and I got the job and I was a full cooperative, you know, member. I didn't even know what it meant, but yeah, but at the time I didn't know what it meant. And then I spent 19 years there. There was a plumbing store next to us and that plumbing store, uh, there was just this old woman taking phone calls for plumbing issues. And I thought we could sell more pizza if we had more space. Um, so I went to the plumbing lady and asked her if she would be willing to sell without even talking to the group about it yet. I convinced her and her son to sell us that space. And then I spoke to the landlord of the building, of our building, and told them that they were willing to leave and we would take over if it would be all right with them. So that that's where the cheese board expansion happened. And I had never really done construction or I had never had no knowledge, but I had a vision of what I thought because I had worked in the kitchen so much, how my body should turn when I'm cutting pizza or how the ovens should be, you know, how the airflow. I mean, uh, I really had an idea and it was this other woman named Elizabeth Medina uh, we were really close friends and we both were put on the project and they gave us a half a million dollar um, budget to work with. And we hired a Levitch associates out of, you know, Berkeley. So we're working with like real professionals and, you know, here's this kid almost, you know, and next in it's an iconic place that we're remodeling and building and our sales literally after we were done went up like 40%. And, um, I started kind of getting a wind, like I started feeling really confident. And one of the things that I, I was grateful and thankful to them that they trusted me. 
So my shift started at 10 a.m. and it ended at 8 p.m. But I would show up at 6 a.m., 7 a.m. and meet with the contractor and walk him through the existing kitchen and tell him what we wanted and how we wanted. And then at 10 o'clock, I would throw on my apron and then I was just a regular old, you know, cooperative pizza guy member. And I would take off the construction worker hat off kind of thing. And it really kind of built my confidence of, of here's a group of people that are trusting you to kind of design an iconic place. Um, well, me and uh, Elizabeth at the time. And, uh, and here's the money to back it up. I was still attending uh, Living Hope. Living Hope is the name of the church that I pastor, or at least it was the name until we rebranded as Lineage Church in the fall of 20. But my daughter, Desiree at the time, she was, I believe she was like 15, 14, 15 or 16 years old. She had gone uh, with Pastor Sonny. My wife. Um, in the group, in a mission trip to Indonesia. And uh, they were, it was during the tsunami that happened and they were helping kids with, in an orphanage. And I remember I was at home and I saw her making like cupcakes at home and I asked her what she was planning on doing and, uh, with that. And she said that they were going to sell cupcakes to raise money to help um, kids in, in Indonesia. And in my mind, I thought, that's 50 bucks. Like, that's not going to do very much. Like, that, you have a good heart, but that's a, that's a drop in the bucket. That's how I saw it. So I went to sleep thinking, like, man, I wanted to, I started flirting to me, flirting with ideas is um, is a way of getting like a preview of what your life could be, but it costs you nothing. <laughs> so I would, I went to bed like flirting, like, man, what if I quit my job? What if, no, and then I would stop. I wouldn't even like, I didn't have the boldness, to be honest, to even think that far. But the the nugget was there, the idea and so I started going to this ABBA conference that you were teaching. Um, it was your purpose, your identity, your mission. And so in the beginning, it was like, all I had to do to make a long story short is understand and grasp that I'm the son of the Most High God. That's it. So then I would go home and I would think like, okay, if I'm the son of God and I'm really owning, like I'm really owning that he is my father, then why do I struggle in my mind to do the th things that I want to do that are good for me, good for my family, good for society, and even possibly be able to help kids in Indonesia or kids that are um, struggling with human trafficking. And so th that was the first conversation I was kind of having with myself, like, do you believe this? Do you own it? So one thing was I believed it, but I wasn't owning it. And then I got to this, it, it was, I'll never forget it. It was an ABBA conference meeting we were having in Berkeley. I forget the name of the church, but it was up on Walnut Street. And I was there, the Ark. 
I was the the problem that I was having was that I was comparing God to my earthly father. And me and my father today have an amazing relationship. Like he's probably one of my best friends. Um, but at the time when I was growing up, I felt that he would was walking around with a yardstick saying, hey, did you wash the car? Hey, did you do this? Hey, psh, you know what I mean? And so that was my vision, my, my image of God, to be honest. Like I felt like God was always looking at what I was doing wrong. And if I wasn't doing something um, right, and I struggled with that a lot. And um, when I realized, when I grasped and I, and I owned that I was, my life belonged um, to the Lord, then I knew that all things were possible. Like, it, it was, no one will ever understand that, to be honest. No one will ever understand that because it's like a superpower. I hate to even, I mean, it's, it's that once you understand that, there's this confidence that you walk in that is not cockiness, but is this confidence like it doesn't matter what you're saying. It doesn't matter what doors are being shut. It's just a matter of time. Like all I got to do is just keep walking in this. And it's going to come to life. Like, like it's going to happen. It's, it's this bold um, confidence that you walk in. And, it, and it's like this, this really good feeling, to be honest. It's like, it's, it's like you wake up and all hell is breaking loose around you in life. But you just keep um, going. You keep uh, doing something towards this dream that you have. So what I started, um, when I started to own that feeling um, in my heart and I started to walk it out, then I started to look at what was I good at? What did I feel I had spent years trying to understand? And what did I find myself doing without looking at the clock? And it was pizza. And it was like messing around with food, that kind of thing. Um, and I thought, well, what if I can start my own pizzeria? And I, first I wanted to call pizzeria seven because I wanted to give 7% of my gross profits to help combat human trafficking. That was how big, bold, and you know, I mean, and keep in mind, I had no business, uh, education. No, all I knew is like what these two hands could do. I didn't have accounting, uh, CPA, lawyers, any of that. Like, <laughs> I didn't even know any of these people, to be honest. So I didn't know where to go. Yeah. So then um, I just started doing, being faithful with what I knew. And so I knew that I felt, I worried about what people were going to say, first of all, like in the beginning. And so I would worry things like, hey, I was the first teenager to get hired. And here I am after 19 years bailing out and starting a pizzeria two, two miles away. How, you know, what a backstabber I am. What this, what that. And then I thought to myself, like, no. Um, what I'm doing is I'm starting a business 
because the cheese board always stood for um, helping others, you know, for doing fundraisers to help the community. And so I thought, no, what I'm doing is I'm doing a business where I can help more people. And so I focused on that. I'm creating more jobs in the community. I'm creating an atmosphere that's safe. It's a great environment. And I'm creating um, an avenue to help donate. That's so I, so, and I, and when I had gone to that, uh, to the ABBA conference, all the what if, what they're going to say, kind of like, it didn't matter. Mm. What mattered was that I felt called to do this. Mm. And, and since I felt that it was, that God had put it in my heart to do, there was nothing that was going to stop me. Like there was not like, yeah, there wasn't, no one could come and convince me otherwise. No one could. And there were people that tried to scare me away. There were people that told me it wasn't going to last more than six months that, um, nine out of 10 restaurants fail within the first, whatever year, five years that I wasn't going to make it. So even with all that said, I still felt it in my heart. Like I've been called to do this and I'm going to use this as an avenue. So that's kind of how, how I got, that was the, the grasp. So now I own the, I own, I own the vision in my heart. I'm feeling, I'm, but I have no money. <laughs> okay, so I have no. <laughs> take me to this day. I remember you calling me and saying, Hey PB, I got this idea. Yeah. So when you, when I came to you, when I came to you, I was looking for these, I was looking for like these signs, like, like God, if it's not like, cause you always have second thoughts. Like, you know, you, you want to do this and there's no one convince you, but it's like, for example, Joseph, remember when his brothers sold him and then he got to, and he's like, no, I'm good. Like if I see these fools, I ain't worried about them. And then he sees his brothers and his, you know, and then he gets this rage and all this stuff comes back his mind and it feels like is this really you know like so i i i would start you start getting kind of cold feet when you start feeling like oh this is real you know and and when i talked to you i that was to me that was a sign because i said to myself i'm going to talk to my pastor and if he knows my situation he knows you know uh, where i work my you know my my family and if he says, well, you know, I think you should slow down or I think you should consider, you know, doing it in stages, then I'm going to take a deep breath and feel like, oh, okay, all right, I see where this is going. Maybe it's just something I should build up over years. But when I saw, like, the confidence in your face, you're like, you're, like, finishing my sentence and saying, oh, yeah, I think you should. Oh, oh, you know, definitely, definitely. I can definitely see you doing this. Um, I was like, okay. All right, I have no one else to ask. Like, I don't care what anybody else says. Like, my wife says it's good. My pastor's saying it's good. I feel it in my heart. Like, this is it. Like, let's let's not. And then I started making a commitment that I would hear people out, but I wasn't gonna let them. It's like an air, like a, like an airport. I wasn't gonna let those planes land on my mind. You know, all the negativities. So I had to really control of what planes I was gonna allow on my runway you know, mentally. And so I started like, all right, I'm gonna hear you out, but I'm not, I'm not really, I'm listening to you out of respect, but I'm not really honestly listening to you. Cause I know where I got, where I got to go with this. Mm -hmm. And so 
it happened to be so I, I knew that what I wanted to do and and uh, so then I started uh, I was gonna have a, then I had to have surgery a hernia surgery and I was off for six weeks I was so excited I had never had surgery I had never taken six weeks off in my whole life I've been working since I've been 12 13 years old my first job was at the West Branch Berkeley Library on San Pablo putting books away like and I was so excited because I felt even though I'm going to go through some pain like physical pain because of my hernia I'm more excited because I'm going to have time to think for myself with no, while my wife's at work my kids are at at school like I'm going to think for myself and I'm going to build I'm going to draw out the vision of what I want this business to be so I had a hernia I couldn't I couldn't uh surgery I couldn't walk to the bathroom on my own my kids had to help me it was a really physically painful and I remember my wife said what um is there anything I can do to help you before I go to work and I said go buy me a yellow notepad from the dollar store some good pens and uh, some cranberry juice <laughs> <or something. laughs> and I sat in bed and I got so excited man I was I started writing like I felt like God was standing, to be honest, like I felt like God was standing over me with a blank check and he was like, all right, let's go. Show me what you, show me, show me the vision. Show me what you got so I can co-sign this for you. That's how confident I was. And I was just riding away. Like I want these ovens. I want the floor to go like this. I want, you know, I want to sell this product, this, that, you know, like I want to be open from these hours at these hours and, and like, I was just putting it all on paper. And I think that where people miss it, um, w one of the things that I was actually proud of myself, that I didn't, I'm proud of myself now, but I wasn't proud of myself, that I saw as a weakness then, was that I was very scattered. Like one day I was writing about ovens. The next day I was writing about the mission statement. The next day I was writing about um, salads and pizza toppings and uh, square footage. The next... So I felt like I was all over the place, but I needed to do that because at the moment, that's what I was thinking about at that time. Mm -hmm. And I kept trying to rush it as if I only had two days. And I had to remind myself, you're in bed for six weeks. You could keep riding all you want. Like you just keep, keep flowing, keep riding. So one, one day I was writing about the construction. The next day I was writing about the pizza, but it was good that I did that. I saw that as a weakness. And, I, and at the end, it was my strength because then I got to put it all together in different layers. Like, you know, I was like, hey, what kind of oven? Well, I already checked out the ovens. And, you know, this is, this is the kind of oven I would use. This is how many people we would need. This is, so I, I already had an idea where, where I was going with it. So I wrote it out on a yellow notepad. And then I was like, all right. So I started trying to go on small walks around my neighborhood and just try to get my body to start walking. And I would just envision it like I would envision having like a Bible verse quote on, on a chalkboard in, in, in the pizzeria. And then I would say to myself, dude, you're in Berkeley. No one's going to accept that. Like no one's going <laughs> to. And then I thought, oh, I'm inspired by it, by in and out You know, they have Bible verses under their cups and stuff. I want a Bible verse, too. So I put um, who the sun sets free is free indeed in the Bible, a Bible verse. 
inside the pizza box, you know, in the lip of the pizza box. And I thought, dude, ain't nobody gonna come eat your pizza, especially in, in Berkeley. And um, to be completely honest, when I wrote the vision or I wrote the idea, it was not perfect when I wrote it at all. There was probably five or seven people from church who actually helped me bring this together because I knew no one. Uh, Devin Debo worked on my logo. She created the logo. Yeah, it was a Sunday. It was a Sunday after church service. And someone told me that she was doing like graphic designing. I didn't know. I didn't, honestly, I didn't even know what graphic designing meant. Right, right. And she, I sat her down and I think I gave her like 40 bucks, to be honest, like $40. <laughs> I didn't know where this was going. Right. And I told her kind of, I drew it on a little piece of paper and she came back and, and, uh, she drew it up and I was like, yeah, yeah. And then, um, Mr. Turner yeah. had, uh, or another member. Yeah. I went to him because I didn't know what a PNL was. And so he helped me like put a PNL together, profit and loss statement. And I uh, went to his house. I drove to Fremont oh. from Berkeley to well, Richmond to Fremont. Yeah. And he snuck me in in one of his busy schedules. And I couldn't believe I was sitting, sitting next to this man that I admired, you know, in many ways. And um, he was sitting there and he was telling me, very patient with me. And he was explaining to me, you know, how it worked and what I needed. And I kept... All I had to do is 80, 20. Yeah. I gave him 20, I gave him 20%. Okay. I want to sell these drinks, this pizza, a slice, you know, a slice. And then he started breaking it down. He started putting in the P and L together. So it looked very professional, very real. And I came back with a product. I came back with a real product on the way home. Um, and then, uh, but before, so I started basically just using the resources in the church yeah. that I knew. I would always ask like, what, what does this person do? And how can this person like help me, you know, put this together? So yeah. So into my, in my mind is like, okay, I'm ready. Like I'm ready to, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to do this tomorrow. Problem is I have no money. I don't have a location, but in my mind I have the, the, the desire. And so, um, I'm sitting at Starbucks uh, with a friend of mine, uh, Laisha Clariton. She plays, uh, she played, um, basketball at Cal and, uh, we were having coffee at Starbucks and I was telling her, hey, I have this vision. Like I want to, you know, open my own pizza joint, this and that. I was just, and one of the things I feel that people are afraid of is to share their dreams with other people because they're afraid of what they're going to say or how they're going to kind of try to debunk them from going forward with it but my confidence was already there like there's no one that i could share this with the president he's not going to convince me not to do it like i'm gonna do it i just a matter of where what time you know and so i was sharing it with her and uh this this landlord that i know was walking by and he saw me sitting co having coffee with her which in which he happened to own the building that we were having coffee at the whole corner and um, uh, he's, he came to me and he interrupted our conversation and he said, hey, you, aren't you the guy that works at uh, Cheeseboard? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And uh, he said, I see you every morning sweeping outside like it's your house, like you own that place. And I did everything. I took the story of Joseph. The story of Joseph was probably 
my blueprint on how to act. Like, do everything as if you're doing it for God. Don't do it as if you're, you want people to see you uh, or don't complain about why are you doing this and other people. Look, when I was doing the construction for uh, Cheeseboard, I was working 10 times harder than everybody else, but I never looked at it in that way. I saw it as an honor that they were actually giving me the, um, the, the, the ability for me to be that person to, you know, the trust. I never saw it as, oh, look at me. Why do I have to wake up at six? Why? And I'm going to be here till eight. Like I never complain about it. I really took the story and I had to read the story of Joseph over and over and over again because there were nuggets in there that were human to me. Like, for example, when he was, um, when he saw his brothers again, I thought I hadn't grasped that then. I grasped that later when you were teaching it at the ABBA conference. Um, the fact that he, the fact that he, um, he felt like when he was playing tricks on his, brothers putting you know because he still wanted them in the picture kind of thing um but the way he did things and the way people did him dirty and he still stayed faithful like that to me was like you could look at rappers you could look at celebrities you could look at people like no like there's no story like that like that's that's the best story you know, other than John three sixteen, that's the best story in my book, in my life ever, like ever told. Um, so I took that, um, I took that very personal, like, uh, and uh, that really helped uh, me. And so when this landlord is like, hey, you still, do? I said, yeah. And I, I had to talk to him in, in boldness, like, like I, like, like I was somebody. And I said, yeah, I'm actually looking for a place to, to lease. And God knows that. My, I was shaking in my boots, like I didn't have no money. And, and he said to me, hey, um, let's go look at this place. It's four, store, four storefronts down. And I looked at Leisha, and Leisha was like, let's go. And we walked, and it happened to be a Monday, and the place was closed, and that whole street was dead. Like, I don't know if people remember Center Street. It's a dead street. I remember the Italian restaurant that was there before. Sunday. Yes, that's what it was. I ate there once. Did you? Oh, okay. Thinking this is good, yeah, but there's nobody in this, place. yeah. Why is it so empty? Yeah, and the whole street was like dead, dead. And I thought, dead. yeah, so we looked at it, and he said, Um, I need an answer by Thursday if you're going to want it. And I thought, dang it, these, these, these pressures, these deadlines, these is this what my life's gonna be like? Like, oh, this is hard, and um. Anyway, I had two really good friends that I was working with, Artemio and Dwight. One was from Mexico, another one was from Jamaica. And uh, we were really good friends. And uh, I felt like I couldn't leave them behind. Like I, I felt like, all right, I'm getting ready. I'm, re I'm getting ready to sign this lease. I don't have no idea what this lease looks like. All I know is that I'm going to quit my job. I, I have kids. I have a wife and this is all I know how to do. If I, if this thing doesn't work out, then I have to move in with my parents or something like this is do or die. So I was sharing 
what I wanted to do with them in, 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 um, uh, in, in private. And uh, I told them, I'm going to open a pizzeria. And the reason I want to do it is because I want to help combat human trafficking. And I explained to them what it was and how, you know, my daughter was involved. And, you know, and they said, uh, and I said, I don't want to invite you guys to be part of this journey, to be honest, because I, I feel like it's going to work, but you guys are older than me. And I don't want to take your livelihood away. And they said to me, we would be honored to go on this journey with you. So we all, we, we, we partnered up and they said, you know, I'll never forget it. They said, we'll work for you. You, you just pay us and we'll work for you. And I said, no, we're all going to be equal. Like we're all, if you're going to go on this journey, if I make a dollar, we're all making a dollar. Like we're going to, we're going to ride this thing. So I went in it being honest. People would say, you're very vulnerable. Everything that I did was done wrong, but it ended up working for the good, to be honest, like everything, like things. Anyway, so uh, we went in it. I signed the, I told uh, people at my job, I went to a meeting and I told them, hey guys, I want to thank, I wrote a nice letter, said thank them. I told everybody, thank you for the opportunity. I feel I have a calling to do this. And people said, you'll be back in two weeks. There's no way you're going to do this. You have no education. You never do. You have no idea what you're getting yourself into. You think that just because you know how to make the pizza, you have no idea. And uh, it didn't scare me. When I heard that, it didn't scare me. And then um, that's it. I shook. Some people, while I was talking, walked out of the meeting. And some people stood. Some people shook my hand. Some people didn't. I didn't take it personal because it didn't. I never... It, I felt like, I felt like this. I felt like that's not their vision. God didn't give them that. God gave it to me. So why should I feel that they have to share this joy that I feel or no, God gave it to me and I got to ride with it. So that's how I felt. So I walked out and then I was off. I didn't have work. I didn't have a job. And I took my wife's 401k, borrowed $30,000 from it. And we all put 30. $30,000 each. I don't, you know, the guys robbed Paul or paid Peter and we all did what we could and we pieced up some money. And then we started buying equipment, you know, going to secondhand stores and just working with what we had. And I just kept following that little ye yellow notepad and I just kept saying, oh, this is what it says and this is what we're doing. And I just kept following it. And, and I figured things out as I went. I didn't wait till I knew everything to do it. I just, I, I didn't, for example, people said, well, how did you know you had to get a, uh, how did you know you had to get a health permit, like to go to the, I didn't know until I was told I had to, you know what I'm saying? So I went down to the city of Berkeley and I said, I'm opening a pizzeria at this address. What do I need? And they literally have a pamphlet already for people like me <laughs> that don't know. These are the steps. So how do you open, how do you, uh, you get an EIN number, you know, your business account, you got to go and put hundred dollars in a, in a bank and you get your debit card and you start buying everything out of this bank account. Cause now it's business. This is all for business. 
And so one thing leads to the other and the other and the other. So once I started noticing that pattern, it just started to flow. I didn't feel like I needed to know everything. It wasn't scary. And then there was a, uh, and then we needed, we needed money to open. Like we had enough money to, um, to start to, to get it going. And then uh, we ran out of our money. We ran out of, I was literally living off what Alicia made. And we were eating peanut butter jelly sandwiches and eating a lot of pizza, you know, when we were, we weren't getting paid. We were not getting paid. And uh, even when we were not getting paid in the first five, six months, I didn't lose the confidence. Like I, I knew I knew it was going to work out. Like I, I knew like God was going to find a way, make it work. I didn't know how. And that's the thing that I think as humans, we miss it. We want to, we want to grab God's hand and say, make this miracle happen. So I can have this, this, and this. What I learned to do in that season in my life was to trust him. Like I would say to myself, this was my favorite saying when I would drive the work and I, and I knew we were broke. Um, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I trust you to do it. I have no idea. So I kind of, I kind of backed myself out of the situation. Like, Lord, I almost blame God. Like, Hey, you called me to do this. So you figure it out. Right. That's the way I was coming at God. Like, like, Hey, this is, this is for, this is what you wanted me to do. So I'm just human. You figure it out. You put it in my hands. So I, you know, I'll go to work. Right. So that's how I was coming at it. And it's just, honestly, I felt more relieved when I would do that. And so, uh, yeah, man. So it was really, so then we ran out of money. So I went to my landlord and I told him, Hey, we're ready to go, but we don't have any money. And he's like, Hey, how much money? Uh, first of all, I signed the lease that I didn't read. I just signed and just signed and signed and passed it on to my other partner. He signed and signed. And people, you know, anyway, that's a whole different story. But again, no matter what that lease said, how horrible it was, and, you know, this contract was bad or, or not or whatever, um, God turned it for the good. You know what I mean? Like, anyway, um, so again, I never took it to an attorney, which I'm supposed to do, take it to an attorney to read and highlight it and redline it and, you know, negotiate back and forth. Now I'm, Now I know that, but at the time I didn't. Sometimes people come into your life in business that have different intentions. You know what I'm saying? Like some people, some people may have different intentions from what you may have in mind. And in the back of my mind, I would think like, this person is not, this person's not a hundred, but you know what? It's the only person I know. <laughs> and God told me I was going to do this. So it's not for me to straighten him out. God will figure it out. Like God's going to use this somehow, some way, like, let's go. And so I went to my landlord and I told him, Hey, we're ready to go. We just ran out of money. And he's like, how much you think you need? I said, I don't know, like 40, 45,000. And he's like, well, if you're saying 45,000, sounds like to me, like you need about 60,000. I said, you know, best, like, you know, you know, like this is my first rodeo. And he said to me, Willie, I'll never forget it. Uh, he said, I'm going to bet on the jockey more than the horse. And you're the jockey. And he goes, I've seen what you could do. I seen your, how you would, you know, your years at uh, Cheeseboard, And uh, you're not going to let this place fail. I know that. He said, the fact that like you guys are not paying yourselves, you know, 
Um, you guys are not bailing out. So he was seeing these things in us that we were, you know, we're staying, we're staying faithful. And he says, I'm gonna write you a check for $60,000. You have two years to pay it. Um, no interest. And hopefully it floats you out. And I was like, Oh my God, this guy, let's go. So I went, put it in the bank across the street. There's a bank of America right across the street. I went up there, deposited that check. And then I, um, I started just buying the cheese and the flour and everything. It just started flowing. And then uh, we opened and businesses, it, we happened to open like in December. There's no college students. There's no one in Berkeley's a ghost town. And then you happen to ask me like, hey, how's it going? How's the work going or something like, how's, how's Sliver working out? And I said, it's, you know, how's, you know, like some people, when they go to war, they get like battle fatigue. You know, maybe they get all excited about going to war. But when they, this is like the third time, fourth time in Iraq or Afghanistan, it's like they get tired. And I was feeling tired. Like I was there literally 16, 18 hours a day working from 5 a.m. to 11 o'clock at night every day. And um, I was getting tired. There was no money coming in. I had borrowed um, more money and then I started really feeling um, the fact that we had hired employees. So I started feeling their burden. Um, they were getting paid, but I didn't know for how much longer they were going to get paid. Uh, my partners that I, we took on, that I took on, I took them from a really good place and I started feeling like, man, what did I do to them? I started having second thoughts like, Lord, is, if, is this you or should we look for another? <laughs> like I started really questioning God at that time. Like, like Lord, like I felt, yeah, is this you or should we look for another? And I just kept thinking like, dang, really this far to leave, stop here? No, I can't be. Like I kept, and no one knew what I was strugg struggling with because I felt that everyone's lives that were involved with Sliver it was on me. Like I went to bed with it. I went to sleep. Like I was hurting. Like, so, um, that's when I saw you at church on a Sunday and you were like, Hey, how's, how's it going? I'm like, yeah, it's all right. It's going. I wanted, I wanted to feel more confident, but I was like, and a lot of people going up, going up. And then I remember all I remember is you showed up with the whole church. You remember that? And then uh, you and Jason and all those guys, you're like, cut me some, <laughs> I'll never forget this, you said to me, cut me some pizzas with, in slivers. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. And I cut them. You're like, no, cut them smaller. Remember that? <laughs> you tell you, cut them smaller. They're too big. They're going to get filled up too easy or something. I don't know. That's a meal. So I cut them up and I gave you some parchment paper. And then you and the guys went to the BART station right in the corner. And then you guys were like, there's a place called Sliver down the street. Amazing pizza. Here's the, t I don't know what you guys were saying, but obviously. And then all of a sudden people started trickling in, trickling in. And I was like running out there and look, oh, here comes more people. And I kept getting behind the ovens, putting in pizza because I had to time it. You know, I had to put pizza in the oven. And I kept running out and seeing it, and I saw you guys giving away pizza. And every time, 
the bar, the bus, sorry, the BART stopped. Like there was a, every few minutes, I guess there was a BART, you know, and a load of people were, it was amazing. I actually cried. That was the first time I ever cried uh, because I was just overwhelmed. You know, I felt like, um, I felt a lot of pressure, you know, like I mentioned, like all the things that I was going through. And even though those um, six pizzas that I gave you cut in slivers were not going to pay the rent, it was the the fact that I could see it. I could see the vision. I could, I could, what you were doing was like, you were mimicking what it was going to look like times a thousand. You know what I mean? That's how I felt like, like, yeah, like this is going to, this is going to work. Like, like what he's, what they're doing and how they're helping me out. This is, you know, like I could see it. I could see it. And it just, it gave me a second win to be honest. And so, um, yeah, I just felt like, man, I went home and I felt like we didn't sell very much, but it, I, I regained my, my strength when, you know, when I saw you guys and, you know, people come give you a hug and encourage you. And uh, we all, you know, as humans, we need that. And so, um, that was, that was probably one of the best parts of, 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 uh, my life. And then next thing you know, just people started coming and people started coming and yeah, it started to become a very successful place. Um, yeah, it was just, it was amazing. But not only that, I think the crazy thing to me is you rejuvenated that whole block. Yeah. So then we, so we, then there was, um, I started doing fundraisers. So we did fundraisers for human trafficking. Um, 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 what is his name? He lives in Washington now. Went to church with us. Jamerson Watson. He used to be uh, yes. Chris Watson. Chris. His, his name is Jamerson Watson. He changed his name to Yes. C. Watson. Yeah, he, he's a badass dude. Yeah, he is. And um, I don't know if I say badass, but I said badass. No um, yeah, and he was working with um, these organizations in Oakland, uh, Don't Sell Bodies, um, Not For Sale. Uh, Not for sale. <laughs> he was really involved. And again, 80-20, 20%, I knew I wanted to help combat human trafficking. How am I going to do that behind the ovens when I'm 16, 18 hours a day? But he was doing the work already on the ground. So I was hooking up with him and I was telling him, like, look, we want to donate. We don't know who. Like, you do the research for us and you help us. And we just hit it off. And um, it, was, it was definitely, like, it was good. And then, um, yeah, we just started... Um, trying to, you know, donate as much as we could. And we were doing it. Like, we were flowing. Like, it was it was a successful, you know, thing. We had the lady from the DA of Oakland come and, you know, thank us for what we were doing, bringing awareness. We had public, public speakers come and speak on the issue. We had an ex-human um, trafficked young lady that was actually going to UC Berkeley, and her parents were... Um, uh, pimping her, you could say, uh, come and speak to our employees. We felt we had to educate our, our staff and then and educate the, the public. And then we hired someone that was rescued. And uh, I would literally watch her pimp across the street at Bank of America wait for her to try to take her to go work after 10 o'clock at night after working. And amazing young lady, super sweet, hardworking. 
And then I would sneak her out the back door and I would take her to the BART station around. And I thought, oh my God, like, it's more than just making pizza. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I saw these little glimpses of people's lives being changed that was pretty amazing. And, um, and then next thing you know, uh, tenants next door started moving in and they started kind of catching the cloud of, you know, sliver. And, you know, um, they were bringing back our pizza uh, slice baskets because people were eating in front of their place and they bought something in their, you know, sushi, oh, Mexican wow. food. And they're like, you know, like we were wow. all feeding off each other. Wow. But it was, it was awesome. We all got along well. well and to this day, that block is alive now. Yeah. Like all of the restaurants on that block began to thrive. Yeah. Because of Sliver. Yeah, we threw a salsa dancing uh, one day. We threw a car show in front of it, like on our dime. And right, right, right. we try to do as much as we can to bring, you know, awareness. And it was cool. We had a good time. It was nice. But yeah, it it, it came. Oh, uh, so the 60000 that that we borrowed, in my mind, I always thought, like, we're not spending no money on nothing. Our priority is to pay the $60,000 back. Because we didn't have no debt other than what money we start, our, our startup money. And um, so what uh, I, we kept saving and I, I showed up with a paper bag and $60,000 in cash. And I was like, hey, I'm here to pay you. And it was less than six months. Yeah, and I showed up, and he was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you had two years. You paid it early, right on. Where's the next one going to be? <laughs> I was like, oh, slow down. But, yeah, no, it was, it was a good feeling. And, uh, yeah, it was. It was a good it was a good feeling. So, you know, there was a time where I was so trustworthy of people, and I was so vulnerable. This is stuff that probably people will never have known before. Is like we hired a... Um, manager to help us with like day-to-day money issues counting deposits payroll things like that this person lived in like blackhawk and he was coming from blackhawk all the way to berkeley and we realized that there was all this money missing so i hired so i hired a friend of mine who was uh, a lawyer he happened to be a friend of mine and then later i found out he was a lawyer like a retired lawyer. So he, we would always have like coffee or hang out and he would ask me how business was. And I would tell him and I was like, and he would say, Hey, I want to offer you my services. Like, let me kind of comb through your financials just to see that everybody is doing what they're supposed to be doing. So I told the manager, I said, Hey, so-and-so, um, I'm not going to say you guys are going to work together, but he's going to be checking, making sure your numbers are straight. You're not going to believe this. But he started realizing that he was stealing. Right? And when that happened, a week later, he died. He just died. No one, no one knew what happened. I went to his funeral. Whoa. And he just died. So then now we have to hurry up and find someone else to fill in this role. We don't know passwords. We don't know how he was paying like, so we were left with this, again, more overwhelmingness, right? And then watch this. I'm driving. Everything's going great, you know, at this point. Like, we're whatever. We hired someone. It's flowing. We think it's good. And then I get a phone call from one of my uh, partners. 
And he's like, how far are you from, from the restaurant? I'm like, oh, I'm 10 minutes away. He said, dude, drive as fast as you can because the IRS is here. That dude got a badge and a gun. And he says he's going to shut us down. We haven't paid taxes in, in a year. So what happened was the account the, the accountant that we had hired, he would walk in while I was making pizza. This is how naive I was. But again, everything somehow worked out. Uh, he said, hey, I, I need you to, I'm going to send quarterly taxes. I need you to write, well, how much do we owe? You owe $34,000 in quarterly taxes this, this, this quarter. Write me a check. So my hands have flour, dough, and I have, I'm in my apron. There's flour everywhere. I grab the checkbook. Who should I write the check to? IRS. You know what, Willie? You need to give me power of attorney. You're too busy. You, you got a lot of people in here. You got to do what you know how to do. And you got to let me do what I know how to do. All right. I'm an accountant. I'm a CPA. I, I got this. You worry about it and let me take care of this money. I don't know what the heck power of attorney means. All I hear is attorney is like, maybe he is my attorney. Maybe he's going to power of attorney. Later I found out. But that's how naive I was. That's So I sign a paper. I give him power of attorney. So I, I said, who am I writing this check to? He says, IRS. You're going to write it to the IRS. I-R-S. All right, cool. Sign it. 34,000. How do you spell 34,000? 34. 34. <laughs> I swear to I didn't know how to spell 34,000 and the two little zeros on the top with the slash and the 100 for no pennies, you know? Like, all right, take it. So he takes the check. I'm thinking I'm paying. At the end of the day, what was happening was he was adding another name. He opened an account to IRS something else. So all that money, he was pocketing himself. He was stealing all this money from us for years. And he was only sending $5,000 to the IRS, $6,000, just to kind of keep them off the, their back. So this, this IRS agent shows up and uh, he says, hey, are you Guillermo? I said, yep. He says, uh, can you close the door? I said, hey, we're getting ready to open. We opened at 11, we're getting ready to open in 10 minutes. He said, you may not open at all. I'm like, what? And he's like, close the door. Like, don't let people in. This is just going to be us. And he had a badge and he had a gun. That's all I remember. And I was like, dang, man, real? And he's like, all right, you guys haven't paid taxes. Yes, I did. I went and got the checkbook. We never got this. Did you get power of attorney to somebody? Yes. Okay. And that person has been obviously taking the money. They've been sent. We've been sending you letter after letter after letter. You never received it? No. Is your address blah, 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 Oakland? No. Oh, and I started putting it together. I'm like, oh, that's that dude's address. And so I said, all right, I'm going to handle this. I'm going to handle this. I said, I'm going to find a way to pay you. We owed about seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 in taxes. Like, I just finished paying. And now we're like one thing after another. After that. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go look for this guy. So I went out and I went to his office and I went to go look for him. And I opened the door. And when he saw me, he knew exactly what happened. So I had to find a way... I was trying to I was trying to beat him up, but at the same time I needed my stuff back. So I had to find a way to either get your stuff first and then beat him up, or put it in the car and then come back and beat him up. Like that's how my mind was going. Like, and so when I called uh, my friend, my attorney friend, uh, he said to me, "Don't worry about beating him up. Don't worry about going after him. Don't even sue him, because the IRS guy had already told me. Don't worry about that. Worry about catching up." With your payments because there's late fees 
and and on this and it's gonna it's gonna be hard to pay and so i just i try to man block that out but i couldn't believe that someone was <laughs> this person is getting away got away with stealing probably hundreds of thousands of dollars and all this at the same time i'm thinking i'm doing it all legit like i'm doing it right like i'm trying to stay out of trouble i'm trying to do things you know professionally the guy from the irs shows up he said meet me in my office on tuesday so i went to the big oakland federal building i'd never been there before and he was really nice to me and he said give you this much time to piece this money together and um and i did and I, you know we figured it out and put it together and that was it <laughs> we just uh so that's when uh i had my brother come in at the time and he started coning through everything who's stealing who's not where's the money going one of the things he mentioned was like you give away too much pizza <laughs> i was too generous and uh so he had to put a cap on like how many pizzas i can give out in a day and he Stuff like that and so we we paid it back within i think it was six seven months and we dodged another bullet it was just that kind of life we kind of lived but we did it but i knew i was being honest first of all like i knew i wasn't being malicious i wasn't trying to get over on anybody at the end of the day like it, it was a calling is what i had it was it was what I, God had called me to do. So why would he leave me? <laughs> you know what I mean? And again, like I said, some people maybe had different intentions of how they wanted to be part of this business. But at the end of the day, like, it worked out. You know what I mean? And so that's, that's how we live. I didn't realize how time flies so fast. Like Desiree and Michaela, you know, one time Desiree said, dad, it's not, it's not enough. I don't want your money. Like every time you see me, you want to give me money. Like you're guilty. I want your time. And I thought, dang. And then I remember um, telling Alicia, I said, when I moved to Clovis, I want to just start a fresh new life. No one knows you, no pressures from nobody, just the way like, I want to teach Adrian how to ride a bike without uh, training wheels. I want to see, I want to throw a football. I'm missing out on all this time, you know? Like, I'm not, it was more about time. And so, yeah. And that's what it is. So knowing when to get out is part of the journey as well. Yeah, it is. And even for that, that was a big step of faith. Because when I walked out, I walked out a week before COVID. The word COVID came out. So if you look at what, what Sliver could be worth before COVID and then Sliver during COVID, but God knows, like, I prayed about it. I said, God, you got to help me. Like, I already, you know, I already missed out on my daughter's life, you know, from a divorce and having them on the weekends and every other weekend only. And, you know, like, I want to be part of my kid's life. I want to come home to my wife. I want to go to bed at a reasonable time. I want to... And then I told her about it, and she was like, good, tell him. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, tell him. Let's come home. Come home. And then I came home, and she, the, the rule she had was, like, you can't look for a job for a month. You can't, uh, like, just just spend time with us. And I was going crazy. 
I was like trying to create my chili sauce and I was looking at uh, places I can open a pizzeria and I was, and she was like, no, like we're not doing this. You didn't come here to redo this again with in a, in a different environment. And so, yeah, so now I just, I honestly just try to spend my time being a good friend to people. I have coworkers that don't even know my story and I'm, and I feel, and it feels good to be one of them. And I, I feel like I could be a good friend to someone if someone needs something, God knows I'm, and I don't expect nothing in return. Like, so it's my way of just, I don't know. I, I get, I just like helping people. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like when God takes us out of a role, he restores our identity. Yeah. Because otherwise I can begin to identify myself by this role. I begin to see myself Yeah. Or entrepreneur, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that role becomes my life. And I begin to identify with yeah. this role. Yeah. My mission replaces my purpose. Mm-hmm. It's true. Whereas the very beginning for you was discovering God created you. Yeah. That your 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 purpose for existing is not to do something for God. It's just to be loved by him. Yeah. For eternity. And that before you could ever do anything for him, he just loves you. Because you're his child. Yeah. So your 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 identity comes out of your purpose. You know, experiencing yourself to be the object of God's love is what convinces yeah. And then what does Adrian have to do? Huh. Like what's what's the burden on him? Yeah. None. He's he's my son. He's your son. That's it. That's it. Yeah. He There's loves. nothing he can do that will make me stop loving him. And that's and nothing that he can do to make you start loving him. He can't make you start loving him and he can't can make, make you stop. stop loving him, yeah. Because you loved before he had it, he was even conscious. Yeah. And that's and that's the image of God that I had to grasp in in this season in my life. Like I was getting too caught up with Willie the Pizza Guy or Willie Sliver. And I had to put the whole performance thing away and just be I don't you know, normal or regular or be me. Yeah, and I enjoy it. Like I don't feel no pressure. Um, but yeah, you know, free will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah.